0: The we're going family style deal.
1: Because I want a bite of your Big Mac.
0: And I need some of your quarter Pops. I'll
1: try your filet of fish
0: There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just 6 bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer.
2: The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show.
0: And welcome back. This is the Zone. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And we're being heard around the world on the Zone Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, Simul Radio, Simul TV, and iHeart Radio. If you'd like to send me an email, it's exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Radio TV. And to find out about the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour, X-Zone Nation, is Mac Maloney. Mac is the host of Mac Maloney's Military X-Files radio show. He has authored more than 40 books, including UFOs in Wartime. What They Didn't Want You to Know, and Beyond Area 51, plus the best-selling Wingman military adventure series. He served as a consultant for a research firm working with the U.S. intelligence agencies and is a member of the rock band Sky Club. His website, www.macmaloney.com. And, Mac, welcome to the X Zone.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Tell us a little bit about your radio show.
3: Well, we've been doing it for several years, uh, myself and uh, two co-hosts or friends of mine, mm-hmm. a guy named Juan and a guy named Commander Cobra. Uh, they're both uh, military vets. We talk a lot about the uh, military's involvement in the paranormal, you know, what the mil- U.S. military might know about UFOs right. and things of that nature.
0: So what do you think the U.S. military knows about uh, UFOs?
3: I don't think they know anything. I don't think they know anything uh, more than uh, you and I know. I think that they have more proof that UFOs mm-hmm. exist, you know, footage and video footage, film footage and so on. But I, I don't think they know where they come from or what they are.
0: What is your hypothesis on what they are and where they come from?
3: Well, after doing the uh, book uh, UFOs in One Time, I just right. came to the conclusion— Uh, It took me about a year to research that book, and I was just kind of, um, you know, just inundated with all different kinds of research and information so on. And I just came to the conclusion, I'm not the first one to come to this conclusion, but I think there's a chance that what UFOs are are time travelers, uh, time tourists. I think that they might be from uh, a time in the future where where people are able to travel in time and they come back and want to see history as it's being made.
0: So does that make this planet and this specific time and the time-space continuum an amusement park for time travelers?
3: Well, more like a uh, history lesson, you know, more mm-hmm. like a history class. Um, and I, I, the reason I, I, this came to me is that um, when we were doing UFOs in wartime, there were just so many instances in which uh, what mm-hmm. they called Foo fighters ba- yes. back then in World War II – uh, so many instances of um, pilots seeing these, um, you know, flying saucers and cigar-shaped craft as well, flying off their wing during bombing missions in the middle of bombing missions and so on. They would trail bombers back and forth to their um, bases. It, it, I mean, there were there were literally thousands of these reports, and but no reports of any kind of uh, you know exchange of gunfire or weapons or anything like that. So it just seemed like these things were out there watching us. You know, go to war, sure, likely, you know, and that to me just says history. So, um you know, like a, like a like a history class.
0: so tell me with all these uh, reports that are out there, how many pictures are there of foo fighters?
3: Oh boy. Um, that I don't know. I don't know the exact number. Are
0: there a lot? Uh, Excuse me. Are there a lot of photos of Foo Fighters?
3: Uh, you know, not that I've seen, to tell you the truth. And a lot of the uh, photos that that I've seen uh, mm-hmm. actually are these uh, balls of light, right? That um, a lot of people saw as Foo Fighters, but just from um, you know the eyewitness accounts, and also um, what would happen is the pilots would come back and they would you know be debriefed, and they would have to fill out um, almost like a form what happened during the. Um, during the bombing mission for in right. their, their intelligence officers. And they would report these things. But the American uh, military back then, or the American 8th Air Force in, in the U.K., at the time, uh, y- y- you know, their idea of the whole thing was, hey, listen, we have to you know, win this war and what these things are, who knows what they are. And a lot of people, the mm-hmm. British uh, Royal Air Force as well, just thought, they, you know, thought, assumed they were German secret weapons. And you know once we won the war,
0: we would right. find out what they were. You know, with all the different uh, film crews that were up there and the film footage that is available of the bombing missions and, uh, you know, the flight to the mission and back of the mission, you'd think that, that with the numbers of reported Foo Fighter sightings that were made by members of the aircraft crews that some of these independent or some of these newsreel, camera people would have gotten shots of the, uh, the Foo Fighters.
3: Uh-huh. Well, we know that, um, RAF, um, filmmakers and, mm. well, f- first of all, you know, back in the early forties now, uh, when you're bringing, you know, when you're on a bombing mission, right. Everything has to do with the weight, the weight of the aircraft. Right. And, um, so bringing a, a, an extra guy and his equipment as a cameraman, uh, that's something that they would have to take into consideration. But also uh, in the Royal Air Force, uh, we know that, um, that they have some footage, really graphic footage of a uh, UFO following a British Lancaster reconnaissance bomber. And this uh, footage was shown to Winston Churchill, who immediately said, I want this to be impounded for 50 years. I don't want anyone to see this for 50 years because he thought if there, were, there was another race, another Anthony come to Earth, uh, that it would ruin um, religion, as he put it. He thought that religion would go down the drain if people thought that you know we weren't alone in the universe, so uh, where that footage actually wound up, you know who knows. But and and just like today, uh, I mean the U.S. military has who knows how much footage they have of of UFOs uh, stashed away, classified. We just don't see it. And I think in some cases that happened in World
0: War Two. But out of those cases and the video footage that the U.S. military has today of what we call UFOs, how many are actually uh experimental aircraft, new uh, weapon designs. Well, I'm sure
3: a lot of it is. And I'm sure a lot of what, um, you know, uh, civilians Mm -hmm. see um, are actually um, secret aircraft being tested or or just aircraft that are around today that are being misidentified, you know. That's that's definitely uh, a large part of it. And we know that in the past, in the 50s, that the CIA actually came up with, you know, this idea that, um, you know, when you're testing a secret aircraft, Let's say you would fly a secret aircraft over the city of Los Angeles, and they would actually like check the newspapers the next day, next day to see how many people, you know, were reporting UFOs. And I mean, that way, that was one way that you could tell that, you know, your secret aircraft could be seen from the ground, um, and maybe fly it a little bit higher. So they have used UFOs, you know, as uh, kind of the cover stories in the past, and also, you know, I mean, when people see when when people see a B2. Bomber for the first time. I mean, mm. it's the flying wing. Yeah. If you didn't know what that was, the only your only conclusion could be is that you
0: know it was something from out of space. Are there more UFO sightings in wartime or in peacetime?
3: <clears throat> well, that's what we tried to look into uh, with the book.
0: Right. It um,
3: it seems like there are more. Let me put it that way. You know, it just seems like there are more. And you know, and, and you know, one of the things we we discuss in the book is that you know why is this? Is that because um, in wartime there were more airplanes in the you know in the air, and there so there are more opportunity for people to see things. More mm-hmm. people on the ground are looking up. You know who knows? But then this idea, you know, also is that well, you know, these things are showing up at at great events. You know, great events being World War Two. Um, you know, and, and and that led to the idea that, you know, maybe it's something else,
0: maybe they had just, you know, as I said, time tourists, you sure. know,
3: coming back to see history.
0: Um, what is your opinion of the Kenneth Arnold sighting?
3: Well, it, you know, it's an interesting sighting in, in many ways, because, you know, not only did, it, because of it, you know, did the uh, term flying saucers come into, mm-hmm. you know, our vernacular, let's say, but it was the first time when well when he reported his sighting all of a sudden for, for the next two weeks there was nothing but i mean there were just hundreds and hundreds of ufo sightings across the country flying saucer sightings they called them and it and it it, it, it you know it i hate to say it, it caught on but um, you know people were you know looking up i guess and sure. they just saw more things than uh, you know, then the week before uh, the, Arnold, uh, you know, sighting happened, but mm-hmm. what was also interesting about his sighting is that the way that the UFOs were, were, were moving, you know, that gave rise to the name flying saucers, because he said they were like saucers skipping across a pond, but just the way that they moved, they were almost flying in formation. And, you know, a lot of times people see UFOs. They're kind of dashing about here and there, and it doesn't look like you know there's
0: really any rhyme or reason to it. Mac, I'm going to have to ask you to hold on. I've got to take my break. Please stand by. We'll continue this on the other side, Exo Nation. Mac Maloney's our very special guest this hour. Uh, he is the host of Mac Maloney's Military X-Files radio show. He's also the author of UFOs in Wartime, What They Didn't Want You to Know. His website, www.macmaloney.com, and Mac and I will return on the other side of this break. Don't go away.
2: We live in rapidly shifting times of extreme volatility and uncertainty. Such profound change brings a unique opportunity for the evolution of consciousness. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, host of Mission Evolution Radio Show, a program that explores the latest scientific developments and deepening spiritual truths supporting human evolution. Join me on Xedbn.net where I interview leading experts in science, physics, medicine, spirituality, and more.
0: And welcome back to The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. My guest this hour, XONation, Nation, is Mac Maloney. He is the host of Mac Maloney's Military X-Files radio show, and he's also an author of more than 40 books, including UFOs in Wartime, What They Didn't Want You to Know. His website is macmaloney.com. Mac, before we went to the break, we were discussing the Kenneth Arnold case, and you were just bringing up a very interesting point that the uh, UFOs that he reported seeing were basically flying in a formation. What does this mm-hmm. tell you?
3: Well, you know, um, years later, uh, when they, uh, the the Air Force started um, Blue Book Project right. Blue Book, where they were supposed to be looking into you know UFO uh, sightings, and they didn't really do a very good job. However, uh, Captain Ruppelt, who was the person who was running it uh, in the early fifties. He, he came upon a case where it seemed like a UFO was um, flying search patterns, actually, over Tokyo Bay. Hmm. And it, it, it just—the idea dawned on him was, you know, do UFOs, do they, do, they, do they fly in, like, kind of, you know, haphazardly? Or is there some kind of uh, intelligence behind what they, uh, what they do? Like, uh, his example was a flock of bees, I mean, a swarm of bees. They're just flying here, there, and everywhere, yes. but, like, a, a flock of geese— Actually, are flying in a Chevron, and there's intelligent movement behind what they're doing. And they're also so,
0: following an electromagnetic GPS.
3: Or something, you yeah. know. Um, but but the thing was is that, um, you know, the, the Arnold sighting, you know, he saw them. They, they like, turned as one, and they, they were making their way, or, or, you know, around the peaks of the Cascade Mountains. And they, and they were all kind of moving almost like in unison, almost like in formation. and. That's why that's also a key sighting.
0: But wasn't there also a search going on for a downed aircraft at that time? And is it possible that the craft that were seen by Arnold were actually part of a military unit who had been dispatched to that unit looking for the downed aircraft?
3: Well, you know, he was um, a—first of all, he was a really smart guy, Mm -hmm. and he was a seasoned pilot. And one thing about pilots, we talk to a lot of military pilots on our show. In fact, one of our co-hosts is a military pilot— and one thing you learn about them is that they know everything they've seen everything up there and they know what everything up there is. If if they see something that they know what it is, mm-hmm. know what it isn't, I mean, that is really something unusual. You know, they know what Venus looks like in the uh, in the daytime, they know what the North Star looks like, they know, you know, what reflections off the water right. look like. They just know all this stuff. And when they see something out of the ordinary, then then as I say, it's 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 you know something very unusual. And I think that Arnold the type of guy he was, knowledgeable guy he was, I think he'd know the difference between search
0: planes okay. and, you know, whatever these things were. In your opinion, is there a connection between the Arnold case and the crash at Roswell?
3: No, I don't believe anything happened at Roswell. I don't think I anything agree. happened there other than a balloon that the U.S. military was testing at the, at the time and launching from nearby to send acoustical right. devices over the Soviet so, Union. So you're talking about Project Mogul. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and, and one of them crashed, and that was it. And, um, you know, the Air Force, because it, it happened only two weeks after the Arnold sighting, and, and mm-hmm. as I said before, the country had gone flying saucer crazy all of right. a sudden, and now they find this, quote-unquote, debris, and the people uh, at the Roswell, the air base at Roswell, I think either they jumped the gun or saying that, you know, we have captured a flying saucer or the remains of one, or – the idea from the very beginning was to cover up Project Mogul. And they used the, as I was saying, the CIA tried it. They were using the science officer excuse as um, the cover-up
0: of this highly secret Project Mogul. What always baffled me about the the Roswell case, and I spoke to Jesse Marcel Jr. about this. I've Mm -hmm. talked to Stanton Friedman about this and all the other so-called experts about the Roswell case, is why did Jesse Marcel, a seasoned intelligence officer who was dispatched to investigate the scene pick up pieces of the debris and instead of maintaining the chain of custody mm-hmm. of the articles why did he stop at home and let his wife and his child manhandle evidence exactly
3: yeah i mean that's question number one yeah i mean some of the debris uh, they found rope and some of the debris would you know would a ufo mm-hmm. actually have a rope on board you know is it so, possible? I, I got to say this though. Jesse mm-hmm. Marcel Jr. He was on our show. He he's he's since passed away. Yes, he, he was has, on yeah. our show. Um, boy, it must have been three years ago, uh, shortly before he died. And he was one of the nicest people I he think is. I've ever talked to yeah. on the radio. He was just a great guy. We were going to have an argument with him about what happened there and yeah. what not, and we couldn't because he was just such a good guy, and and uh, we kind of miss him.
0: Yes, he was a great guy. Um, is it possible that? What happened at Roswell was actually one of the Fugo balloons. One of the uh, what balloons is that, please? Fugo.
3: Fugo balloons?
0: Yes. You know, the Fugo balloons, there were 3,000 of them that were launched from an island off of Japan's coast uh, just oh. uh, just prior to the end of, of mm-hmm. uh, World War II. There was one that crashed in Oregon. Are, there had been sightings right across uh, into the middle of America. Mm-hmm. And they were made of uh, something like uh, uh paper, but it was I, I forget it the it was rubberized mm-hmm. and it was silver they could be either carry equipment bombs or personnel right
3: um I doubt that because um you know I know that that they launched uh, mm-hmm. the Japanese launched these kind of um Balloons all during the war, mostly yeah. towards the end of the war, and as you say, you know, a lot of them landed in Oregon and Northern California and everything. Right. For one to make it down to New Mexico, that would have been quite the trip. And I think there's also a lot of evidence too. I mean, the photographic evidence when you actually see the debris all mm-hmm. kind of lined up together. Yeah. Um, you know, it 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 looks like you know one of these Mogul balloons down yeah. right down to the material they used, which was a kind of. Um, I, I don't know, like a rubberized aluminum. Yeah, yes. you would, it, and if, in fact, you crushed it in your mm-hmm. fist when you opened it up, it would go back to its shape. It was That is nothing from outer space. That was something that, you know, our scientists had uh, developed for these balloons because they have to, the higher they go, they have to expand, and there's a whole lot of kind Certainly. of physics
0: behind it, you know. Yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier about Foo Fighters. Uh, what are scare ships?
3: Well, scare ships are something that... Um, uh, popped up uh, in uh, 1909 in, in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone uh, knew, um, as people can know these things, that there was going to be a war between uh, the UK and Germany and, you know, half yeah. the world, right? So uh, so the Germans were, you know, interested in what was going on in the UK, let's say. But in uh, 1909, these people, you know, starting off uh, just a, a, a policeman walking his beat, and then the, in the next six months, Thousands of these sightings uh, of these skiff ships happened. What they were were they were enormous um, ships that looked close, most closely resembled the Zeppelin, but they were much bigger. They moved much quicker and they flew much lower. And um, people started seeing these things, as I say, all over the United Kingdom and they didn't know what they were. Um, at the time, the uh, most of the Zeppelins that had been manufactured by that point, you know, were only um, uh, allowed to do tethered flight. You know, they never really got free from the Earth. Um, and certainly no Zeppelins could make it to the UK and back in a round trip like that. Um, so... No one ever really figured out what these things were, but they do know that that they some of them were seen traveling at 200 knots. Now, a blimp these days, even the most modern blimps, don't go more than 50 miles an hour. But at one point, these two reporters were um, uh, set up at different villages. They saw one saw a scare ship go over and and called down to his colleague and said, "All right, you tell me when it goes over you." And by you know measuring the distance and the time it took the scareship to make that distance. They figured out these things were going more than 200 knots. So, um, no one ever figured out what they were. They were also seen a lot of times with very large searchlights on their bottom, um, shining down mm. at the ground. They were only seen at night. Uh, and if people said, "Well, if these are German spy ships," I mean, why would you be driving? Why would you be flying around with these huge exactly. searchlights on? You know, exactly. that's not a good way to be a spy. Uh, and then they just kind of faded away. You know, um, mm. and and again, there's several examples uh, in the book of these instances where. Uh, they're not quite UFOs. They're not the flying saucers that we think of when we think right. of UFOs, but there's these strange things, in the scare ships are one of those instances.
0: What about the uh, the air sh- great airships uh, that were seen over the Midwest uh, in the mm-hmm. United States? Was that after the scare ships, and it, do you think there's could be a possible connection between the two?
3: Uh, that was actually before. That was in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, there was...
0: Uh, it, uh, lots of reports
3: of these. They weren't. Um, they weren't as massive as the scare ships were reported to be. But there were these airships that uh, they it seemed to start in California. They mm-hmm. worked their way right across the uh, the uh, country. In fact, where I am now, I'm I'm a little bit north of Boston. And, and there's a city here, Lynn, Massachusetts, where there's a photograph of one of these things out over the water that people wow. saw. Once again, people have no idea where these things came from. It was beyond the technology of the time. Um, you know, it can, could not be explained. Uh, they kind of faded away at the end of the 1800s, and then 1909, this kind of, kind of different variation, a more a larger, more sinister version of these airships, uh, uh, you know, just kind of popped up over the United Kingdom.
0: You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by. ExoNation, my guest this hour is Mac Maloney. He is the host of Mac Maloney's Military X-Files radio show. He has authored more than 40 books, including UFOs and wartime, what they didn't want you to know, and beyond Area 51 plus the best-selling Wingman military adventure series, he's uh, served as a consultant for a research firm working with U.S. intelligence agencies, and is a member of the rock band Sky Club. And Mac and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the exome continues from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, you can still get your complimentary copy of the most current edition of the X-Chronicles newspaper with our compliments at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the x and We'll be back after this break. Don't go away. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the X Zone Broadcast Network.
1: www.xzbn.net. You have heard of the X Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV.
0: Mac Maloney is my special guest this hour, Exonation. Nation, dot com Mac, uh, another book that you've written is entitled beyond Area 51. What is beyond area 51? Well that's a good question. Now what that book is about is
3: it's about um, very secret bases that we know uh, mm-hmm. that exists uh, exist around the world. It, all of them except area 51. so it's beyond area 51. there's uh, I think, I don't know about 25, 26 examples. Uh, that we found of places in the United States and, as I say, around the world, that are on some way or other, you know, uh, uh, comparable to uh, Area 51, all all of which have a UFO history behind them, too, as well, as it turns
0: out. Why do you think it's so important that the citizens of the United States know where all these bases are? Isn't there a matter that crosses a line when it comes to national security?
3: Well, uh, th- first of all, they're not all our bases. Um, with um, with with the bases, the U.S. bases that we talk about, they're all been uh, you know well documented. I mean, like uh, places like Autec, mm-hmm. um, a-, a U T E C. Um, that is uh, the that is basically the U.S. Navy's Area 51. It's where they test a lot of secret weapons, a lot of secret technology. Um, and the strange thing about it is that it's not in the United States at all. It's actually. Uh, on Andro's Island in the Bahamas, and it's right in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. Now, you know, it might be just some kind of crazy coincidence. I'm sure it is. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is the U.S. Navy's Area 51 is inside the Bermuda Triangle.
0: Okay, you've said, uh, uh, and not all of them are our bases. Whose bases are they then, if they're not our (laughs) bases?
3: Well, we, uh, for instance, we uh, do one chapter on trying to find uh, uh, Britain's Area fifty one. Mm-hmm. Um, there were uh, we came down to uh, uh, ten, um, you know, uh, chances ten different uh, places that could be what they consider area fifty one in in the UK. Um, a lot of them were uh, joint British and United States, NSA listening stations. There's a few secret bases in, in England. The thing about England is that it's a small country, and a and a jet fighter you can go from coast to coast in a matter of minutes. You know, so to hide someplace where you're testing secret weapons is a really tough thing. And, um, you know, we finally got uh, uh, into um, guessing that it might be uh, underneath this old abandoned kind of manor uh, out near, uh, as it turns out, uh, near Stonehenge. You know, once again, Hmm. if it's a coincidence, who knows? But um, Rudlow Manor is the name of this place where they used to build spitfires down below in an underground chamber underneath this place and, and built a a secret trail uh, rail line into London to deliver, to deliver these, um, you know, fighters for the Battle of Britain. So uh, there's a lot of people think that that just kind of continued on into the modern day, things one, like that.
0: Okay, one of the most uh, talked about UFO sightings of current time, I'd have to go to the Phoenix Lights. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion, uh, and not only your opinion, but the opinion of your two co-hosts who are military uh, when it comes to what the phoenix lights might be right
3: um you know that whole thing uh you know what happened out there during that uh, that amount of, that short that you know, period of time mm-hmm. it's it's really two stories in a way you know i mean people saw you know you see the famous video of, yeah. the, of the bright lights disappearing behind the mountain okay well at the time you know there's an air force base right out there and um at the time, there were some National Guard troops that were practicing with dropping flares. And when you when you kind of see the video and you kind of see the lights disappear behind the mountains, that's how flares would act. But right around the same time, people were seeing these enormous, you know, triangle-shaped uh, UFOs flying over the multicolored um, and similar in, in shape and description to the Hudson Valley sightings of the uh, 80s. Right. And um you know, and, and, and yeah, these were not flares. You know, these aren't flares. These are like things that people say were the size of aircraft carriers floating over their heads. Lots of lights, lots of kind of uh, dy- uh, dynamic, um, you know, edges to them and design to them. And, you know, something from really not of this world. But how, but how come nobody took pictures of that? Well, you know, that's a good question. You know, I mean, you see, we have to ask that in a lot of cases. Yeah. It, was, it was late at night. Uh, there was some video of these things going overhead. Um, the people uh, towards the south of Phoenix mm-hmm. uh, saw these things. And there was some grainy footage of, you know, something going over their head. It doesn't look like an airplane. It's not flying fast enough to be an airplane. So, you know, who knows what they were. But um, it, 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 the whole thing is a strange case. Like I say, it's actually two
0: cases or one. Uh, to your knowledge, was uh, there any comment from the military or civilian air traffic control when it came to radar, radar talk? Uh, tracks and uh, targeting
3: you know some people at the phoenix airport said that they saw you know uh, radar indications um, you know but once again there's an air mm-hmm. force base very close there i can't remember the name of it but they do like a lot of training and such and so there's military activity close by um, so uh, you know and they and, and they announced that yeah these were actually flares being dropped uh, but they never really explained you know what these large objects in the, the triangle objects in the sky is. And, and you mentioned my two co-hosts, uh, Commander Cobra. He's someone who's a specialist. He's on this whole kind of triangular uh, type UFO that people have been seeing for years, all various shapes and sizes, but it's always this kind of triangle. Mm-hmm. And if there's any UFO out there that is, in fact, you know, a, a top secret weapon of the U.S., it's probably these triangle-shaped things, you know. Um, even for those huge uh, craft that they saw in Phoenix, there's actually talk out there that they have these balloons out there where um, they're actually powered balloons, and the bottom of them is, are able to reflect the stars above them, so they're able <laughs> to project, like, the stars on their underbellies, let's say, so they can go right over your head, and you don't, you don't even know it. Wow. Um, you know, these things may be, uh, uh, might have, you know, been what, People saw over Phoenix uh, during that amount of, that uh, period of time.
0: We talked about uh, Foo Fighters in World War II, but what about uh, the other conflicts or wars that that the United States and Canada have been involved with? For example, the uh, Korean War and uh, the War in Vietnam. Were there UFO mm-hmm. sightings there as well? Well, yes, in the Korean War especially, and the Korean War is
3: really uh, has its own special chapter in the history of UFOs, and this is why. You know, it was only five years after the end of World War II that the Korean War started, and it was kind of like this unexpected war. But in that time, uh, we had progressed from mostly propeller-driven aircraft to jet aircraft, both bombers and fighters. And along with that technology came onboard radar. Onboard radar in World War II, they had it, but it was very crude, heavy, and it really didn't work very well. By that time, by the early 50s, you had some pretty good radar that was actually in the planes itself. So... There were many sightings over uh, Korea that, therefore, were seen by people on the ground, were seen by radar stations on the ground, and were seen by radars, radars in the, these jet fighters themselves, or these, these bombers themselves. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you have this kind of triangle of evidence, you know, electronic evidence and visual evidence. And there were so many airplanes flying around, uh, uh, radar-equipped airplanes flying around Korea at the time, um, in Korea, and Korea again is also an, a, a small place that uh, lots of pilots saw UFOs, lots of pilots reported them, there's a lot of documentation on it. And that really what was happening in the Korean War actually spurred the US Air Force to create Project Blue Book, they knew they had to do something. uh, Because once again, so many of our own pilots saw these things, they knew they had to do something. So Project Blue Book was the result. So you know, the Korean War was really kind of like, you know, what happened there really kind of right. set the pace for uh, UFO research, if you can call it that, for the next 20 years or so, um, until they uh, did away with it in 1967. Uh, in Vietnam, uh, there's a there's a story called the Hobart Incident, in which, um, let me just preface saying that UFOs were reported a lot over Vietnam as well. Um, these um, In 1968, people, uh, the U.S. reported seeing uh, what they called enemy helicopters over the DMZ, which Separated North Vietnam and South Vietnam, um, and but the the Viet Cong North Vietnamese didn't have helicopters. Uh, they didn't fly helicopters in the war really. So anyway, um, one night all these uh, enemy helicopters, as they say, uh, were flying around, and they and the U.S. Air Force sent F-4 Phantoms after them. Um, they uh, they chased these things, which were UFOs, and um, chased them out over the Gulf of Tonkin, fired on them, and a the air-to-air missiles from the F-4 Phantoms actually hit this Australian destroyer, cruiser, uh, the, um, the Hobart. Killed three sailors, injured about 30 more. Um, you know, um, they they covered it up in the U.S., but in Australia, it was a pretty big story. And the story was, was U.S. aircraft shooting at UFOs actually hit an Australian ship and
0: killed three sailors. My gosh.
3: Yeah.
0: So... What do we did we learn anything about the UFOs between World War 2, the Korean War and the Vietnam War? Or are we still guessing? I think we're still
3: guessing, you know. I think we're still guessing because um and and it's funny, The, the as I said before, the, uh, you know, I believe the U.S. military has a lot more evidence that they exist, but I right. I don't think that they know where they're from, what they are, or anything along those lines. Um, you know, it, it, this recent um, uh, information that came out at the end of last year, that it turns out that instead of doing away, or they did away with Project Blue Book in 1967, and, they, and the Air Force said, now we're out of the UFO investigating business, and so now we know that that's not true that they were contracting it out or they had a very, very secret kind of uh, department in the
0: Pentagon who have always been looking at these things, and there's a good chance that they are still doing that. Um, All right, Mac, stand by, buddy. We've got to take our final break. Exonation. Nation, Mac Maloney is our special guest. He is the host of Mac Maloney's Military X-Files radio show. His website is www.macmaloney.com. We'll both be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the X Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com.
2: The concept of a new age has been around since the late 19th century, yet much of its original meaning has been lost. What exactly is the new age? Is it a religion? A collection of obscure esoteric practices, a series of doomsday predictions, or an astrological event? The New Age Chronicles is a unique, complimentary publication, bringing reason and grounded information to separate fact from fiction. Chock full of valuable information to support you as we make the monumental shift into the new era. You won't want to miss a single innovative issue. The New Age Chronicles newspaper is coming soon to www.newagechronicles.com.
0: XO Nation, Mac Maloney is my guest this hour. He is the host of Mac Maloney's Military X-Files radio show. His website is www.macmaloney.com. He is the author of over 40 books, including UFOs in Wartime, What They Didn't Want You to Know, and Beyond Area 51. Once again, his website is macmaloney.com. First of all, Mac, thanks so much for sharing your time with us here on the X-Zone. Uh, great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's our our pleasure. Um, let, let's go back in time, not so far back. Well, let's go to September the 11th.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you? Um, there was a lot of talk that UFOs may have had something to do with the uh, the the events of 9/11. What's your opinion on that?
3: Yeah, I, I I think that's you know a little too way out there. I think that mm-hmm. we all know you know what happened on 9/11, yeah. but. The interesting thing about that was um <clears throat> just to show you you know what the military's involvement is in 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 ufo you know research let's say is after that happened there were a lot of for the next two or three years there was a lot of our military uh, you know in the air around the borders of the u.s um there were more flights there were more planes intercepted there were just more airplanes up yeah. there and um uh, someone told me in the course of the research of um, UFOs and wartime is that these pilots saw and reported lots of UFOs and had nothing to do with the nine eleven attacks themselves, but as a result of nine eleven, a lot of uh, you know planes were flying around right there, and in UFO reports by military pilots went up.
0: Why do you think, or do you think that? The government just doesn't come clean with what they know. Instead of you know keeping it under a, a self-imposed blanket of mm-hmm. secrecy, you know, if they don't know anything, would people believe them if they came out and said, "Listen, we don't know what we're dealing with"? Or right, has got to be a well, reason. Well, I,
3: I don't think they would want to do that because mm-hmm. then basically, you know, in the in the in the matter of the U.S. Uh, military. Uh, you'd be saying, well, you know you're getting nearly a trillion dollars every year here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you're supposed to be in charge of our security and you're telling us that this is something that is in our skies that you don't know what it is. so it's it's best for them to not say anything you know one way or the other, okay and once and once again, i I, I truly believe that they do not know what these things are. Uh, once again, they have plenty of evidence, but they don't know what they are and I have to say, too, not to get into politics, but of any president uh, or any resident of the White House over the past, you know, since the Kenneth Arnold sighting, if there was one who was going to come out and tell everybody that, you know, yes, the U.S. military knows what UFOs are, it's the current resident in the White House. And that hasn't happened. I agree. And uh, that just further convinces me that they don't know.
0: Let me ask you this. Based on your experience in the military, based on your experience as a talk show host, based on your experience as as an author who has dealt with this, do you believe in your heart of hearts that these UFOs mean any harm to this planet or its inhabitants?
3: Well, it's a really good question because, you know, overall they have not shown any kind of aggressive nature. However, right. there are instances... Uh, the Mandro um, case in the early 50s, where uh, uh, a um, P-51 Mustang, called F-51 Mustangs at the time, you know, chased a UFO, and 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 the pilot was later killed. Um, uh, there's a couple instances in the Iraq War and the first uh, Gulf War where you know, supposedly there was uh, exchange of weapons between F-16s and UFOs. But I don't I don't believe so because I think that they would have shown it already. They've been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. They don't try to hide. People think UFOs are trying to hide. Yeah. But they're seen all the time. Um you know, they they they're not they know we know that they're up there. And once again it just kinda of comes back to this theory, you know, that um they're just observing us. They're looking in on us, uh, they're watching us, seeing, you know, what what we do. And, you know, that's what, you know, that's what history is all about. Yeah, Who wouldn't love to go back and see a Shakespeare play or the Battle of Troy or Mm -hmm. something, you know?
0: Tell us about Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe.
3: Uh, That's a uh, book that uh, we have coming out at the end of September. And basically what it is, it's a uh, combination of all the stories that we have done on the radio show. Right. uh, Meaning lots of ghost ships, ghost airplanes, uh, ghosts on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. And um, also I worked for uh, True TV a few years ago and used to work on their website. And a lot of the research that I got from that experience I put into this book. So it's Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe.
0: So you also deal with ghosts and other aspects of the paranormal? Uh,
3: yes, right. Yeah, we got into ghosts. We got into monsters. There's a monster for every state in the United States, and um, you know things along uh, along those lines. Lots of lists, lots of anecdotes about different paranormal things that that people have reported. So tell me, what do you think a ghost is? I don't know. We talk about this a lot on the show, and uh, our one of our correspondents, correspondents Emily Mittermeier, is somebody who is really into ghosts and. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's hard to say because, you know, sometimes they interact with people. Sometimes they don't. They call it residual haunting where it seems like a videotape that's yeah. like caught in a loop, you know. Uh, but then uh, again, you know, so what is that? You know, and then but actual, you know, instances where people have talked to ghosts or with furniture flung around the room and mm-hmm. so on. And uh, I don't know, it's it, 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 it's just very strange. But as we say about UFOs, it it, it something has to be behind it because Every ghost story in the world cannot be a hoax, cannot be a lie. Every UFO story cannot be a hoax no. or, or a hallucination. There's got to be something behind them.
0: But if you go by the numbers of UFO researchers, the number of ghost researchers, the number of uh, Bigfoot researchers, for all these people being out there all the time with modern technology, still no smoking gun, right. the numbers don't add up. Right,
3: it's almost in, in 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 the case of UFOs is it's mm-hmm. almost like that's the way it's planned. You know, once again, just if we went to the time travel element yeah. again, you know, maybe they they know that UFOs aren't going to be revealed until uh, you know June second of two thousand thirty-two. You know, mm-hmm. so they know everything be, that they do between now and then, they're not going to be found out. Um, but they are
0: being found out. You say it again, please. They, I'm sorry. They are being found out. They are oh, right. being Right. I mean their
3: their origin, where they come from, yeah. you know. Um you know, where do they come from? Everyone, you know, just because they're in our skies. That doesn't mean they're little green men from Mars. You know, there's a good True. chance
0: they're from other dimensions, other right.
3: universes, places we don't even know about. But if it's we, but if we, the same thing.
0: But if we accept the possibility that these are time travelers who are coming here to view history, how do we mm-hmm. explain the alien abduction scenario? How do we explain what happened to Travis Walton? How do we explain what happened to Barney and Betty Hill? Right. Yeah. See, that's one of those things you can't yeah. explain. No. Um, you know, who knows?
3: Who who knows? And, and, and why, uh, another question we talk about in the show a lot is that, you know, when when you're abducted, a lot of people, you know, they, they report some nasty medical experiments, mm-hmm. you know, uh, taking place on them. You say, well, why would a race that was so intelligent that they're flying around and flying saucers, why would they be interested in blood samples? Exactly. And, you, know, uh, you know, you think that they would be so far advanced you wouldn't have to actually, you know, probe
0: someone to get this information. So, once again, millions of questions. Yeah, millions of questions and next to no answers. You know, I, I guess we can uh, thank the extraterrestrials who have abducted people over the years for the colonoscopy that we all get today. Well, you know, yeah. if, if insurance covers it, why not, right? <laughs> how true. How true. Listen, what are your final thoughts tonight, Mac? Uh, you know, what, what, what would you like to share with the ExoNation? Mm-hmm.
3: Well, only that, you know, uh, just since I've been like kind of in the UFO community for a few years doing the books and doing Mm -hmm. a radio show, what what disturbs me a lot is that there's a lot of noise out there. There's like 10% of what you read, in my opinion, about UFOs, about Roswell, about uh, things of that nature. It's just like stuff that is just like made up out of whole cloth. And I think that really affects the really... Down to earth, uh, pardon the pun, uh, research on yeah. UFOs. You know, so I just wish people, you know, writing these books would really just take a little bit more care to, uh, you know, not make out and out, make up out and out lies. You know, uh, which a lot of it is. A lot of it is really wild speculation. With Roswell, for instance, I think you know the counters that. 30 UFOs crashed there, and there's 50 alien bodies and so on, you know. That's just ridiculous, and it really kind of takes away from what should be really solid research yeah. into trying to
0: find out what the UFO puzzle, you know, is all about. I always say that, you know, the Internet is the biggest septic tank that has been ever created yep. by men because there's more crap in it than there is anything else.
3: Yeah, it's it's true, you know, and and since the Internet has come about you know this kind of you know the noise that's around UFO mm-hmm. research is is just you know you
0: know is off the charts. It is. Uh, quickly let our listeners know where they can find out more about you, where they can buy your books, and how they can listen listen to your radio show.
3: Well, uh, the books are all uh, you know in your local bookstores, or uh, Amazon.com, or com mm-hmm. and uh, Mac Maloney, um, com is the website. The name of the show is Mac Maloney's Military X Files. And uh, we're on about uh, six or seven networks. If you just Google Mac Maloney's Military X Files, uh, you'll find out
0: um, where you can hear us. Excellent. Mac, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the X Zone. Great. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. My thank pleasure. You. Good night, Mac. That was Mac Maloney, Exxon Nation, www.macmaloney.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the ExON from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, Exonation you can get a copy of the current uh, edition of the X Chronicles newspaper with our compliments at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. And don't forget, www.xzbn.net for all our radio shows and our listings and to watch us on the Exxon TV channel simultv.com